Welcome to episode 11 of the Explore Running podcast. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by, firstly, our guest host, Dave Gilmore, instead of Jenny. She's off on her travels again, but uh, doubly pleased to be joined by one of Scotland's finest ultra runners, Debbie martin Consani. How are you doing, Debbie? What an introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm well, thank you. How are you both? Well, I'm good, yeah. I'm good, Dave. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Just like to be speaking to you, Debbie. I think it's like, you know, they say never meet your heroes, so um, thank, <laughs> thankfully it's going well, okay so guess far. guess what? You haven't. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right. Well, thanks again for joining us, Debbie. It was um, really a privilege. So I think um, I forgot to ask this question of the last couple of guests, um, but I've remembered this time. So we'll kick off with what is your funniest running related story? Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> I ha- I'm a bit calamity um, at the best of times. Um, I could probably give you my top ten. Actually, we could probably fill this whole interview. <laughs> on, uh, Go for it. <laughs> things that have happened to me in races. Um, I think probably one of the ones that I'm probably most well known for is um, there's a race down south called the Grand Union Canal race. Um, it's quite a historic race. I think it's now in its 30-odd year. Um, I did it oh, quite a few years ago now, and uh, I fell in the water in the middle of the night. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> in the Grand Union Canal. Um, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was, I pres- yeah, I presume that was quite horrible then. Was it Was it reason? Yeah. Was it- <laughs> I was a bit wasted at the time, hence why I fell in. Yeah. Um, it kind of woke me up, that's for sure. Um, I wouldn't recommend swimming in the Grand Union Canal in the wee small hours of the morning. Um, yeah. But yeah, so when you talk about funny race stories, I guess they're always funny in hindsight, but at the time it's yeah. quite harrowing. Um, yeah, yeah. I've also I've also been hit by a car during a race as well. Oh, wow. Which was, uh, yeah, which is funny now, but maybe, probably wasn't so funny for the driver, that's for sure. No, what, what? But, hey, I love to tell the tale. How did that happen? What was the details of that? Uh, oh, it was a race down in Yorkshire, I think. Uh, it's called the White Road 60. Um, and it was one of those kind of races I had to do at the tail end of the year to accumulate uh, points to run UTMB. Yes. Um, so it was like two 30-mile laps, and into the second lap, I just ran straight out in front of the car. Oh. Um, headphones on, my fault. Um, ah, right, okay. Yeah, I just ran straight out, and the poor lady was, like, so shaken and, you know, jumped out the car and was in a bit of a... She's actually probably in a worse state than I was, um, uh, insisting that she take me to hospital, and I was like, no, I need to go. I need the UCMB <laughs> point, and then ran off into the distance. So, so um, people call yeah. ultra runners crazy, right, but that lady's going to have this perception that all yeah. runners are absolutely nuts because you've just been run down by a car and you're insisting on carrying <laughs> on and you're 16 out of this. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, just to get UTMB points. <laughs> yeah, she's, ironically you, enough, UTMB I didn't I didn't even do it the year after. I did something else <laughs> instead. Oh, um, wow. But yeah, it's weird because the body's like an amazing thing because although I was a little bit winded, I was fine and I carried on. Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't until after the race that I realised that Physically couldn't walk. Um, yeah, just bruising and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I was I was fine to carry on, and then afterwards I was in a bit of a what did you have of a mess. But what did you have left about twenty miles or something? Or yeah, maybe about twenty five, yeah. something like that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. just about a marathon. Just yeah, cool. <laughs> just suck it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I never did find out who that poor old lady was. Um, oh but. wow, yeah. Yeah, she maybe went to hospital anyway just to get herself uh, sorted out. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. So yeah, I but mean, yeah, they're they're probably fun, not funny, ha ha, at the time, but maybe. Yeah, it's funny, funny, funny to look back at, yeah, because nothing bad actually yeah. happened afterwards. So cool, no. right? Um, right. Well, I think we'll just well go with the usual way and just sort of go back to the start and uh, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into running, if that's okay. Yeah, um, oh, I actually, I started maybe about, well, when I say maybe, I know it was 18 years ago, um, because it was the day after my niece was born, so I always remember um, Uh the day I went for a run, and uh, I was living in the west end of Glasgow with two flatmates at the time, I was kind of young and cool then, and uh, one of the women I worked with at the time said she was going to do the women's 10k, in Glasgow, which was quite um, an iconic race in Glasgow. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it is no more. Yeah. But um, she said she was going to do it. And, you know, she probably wasn't your quintessential, belt athletic type. Um, so she kind of inspired me to think, well, do you know what? If she can do it, then I'm going to sign up too. And, uh, yeah, it was a cold February evening. And I went out for my first run. Um, and I couldn't run for a minute. I nearly died after wow. a minute. Um, yeah, it was. A, but anyone who started running knows that you actually improve quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so every time I ran a little bit further, uh, a little bit longer, and then in the May, um, yeah, I did the women's 10K. And then I guess it's that classic story of going from a 10K to a half marathon to a marathon. Um, and then I joined my local running club, which is Garscape Harriers in Glasgow. And I met my husband there. Um, yeah, and I kind of stumbled across the website for The Devil of the Highlands, um, maybe 2006 or something like that. And uh, yeah, I'd run a few marathons at that point. I was working my way through um, the Monroes. And I just wanted to combine, you know, my love of being out in the hills. Um, with some trail running and a bit longer distance so yeah the devil of the highlands it was tough I was utterly broken at the mm-hmm. end um, but yeah I think I kind of caught the bug I like the camaraderie of ultra distance I like the fact that you can just be lazy and walk on hills and eat sandwiches <laughs> and stuff like that um, so yeah I just kind of got the bug and yeah I've been fortunate enough to work my way through quite an extensive bucket list of races which I will continue to do until my legs give up on me. So, yeah, yeah that's a bit of a quick summary of how I got to where I am just now. Yeah, yeah, cool. And, and, and to where you've, where you've got to where you are now, I mean, that is quite impressive because you've represented GB, you've won multiple races, you've set records. Um, you know, it's quite an inspirational read if you have a look through some of your... Um, big races that you've done, what would you think would be a highlight then amongst all that, or highlights? You can tell us a few if you like. Um, yeah. Um, let me think. Uh, yeah, I, 
you know, I have been quite fortunate um, to do some amazing races and, you know, be a part of, you know, some amazing events like running for Great Britain for five years. I mean, if you told me on that cold February <laughs> evening when I couldn't run for a minute and I used to go out in the dark so no one would see me, um, you know, if you told me back then that, you know, I'd be representing Great Britain, I'd have laughed at you. Um, you know, so... Yeah, it's, it's been an amazing journey. Um, I guess some of the highlights is, has been some of the races that I've been lucky enough to be a part of and the people that I've met along the way. Um, you know yourself, like, you, you become friends with people you wouldn't normally ever cross paths with because your life's just moving different directions. So, um, yeah, I, I think some of the best things that I've done is, like, Spartathlon, which is the run across Greece. Um, you know, it was one of those races that I was never, ever going to do because it just looked horrible and the heat and roads and until you're actually in that race and part of what is quite a big cultural experience and a historic race for the people of Greece, um, it was an amazing experience. And even, you know, last month running the spine race, I, I use the term running quite loosely, um, <laughs> <laughs> crawling along the Pennine Way in January. Um, again, it was just one of those things that I've followed for years and, you know, been spent a week watching people's thoughts move across screens really, really slowly. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, again, I was never going to do it because it just looked like pure misery. Um, but to actually be out there and be part of your own little mini adventure um, was an amazing experience. You know, I think... Um, you know, if you go and do, an, I, I, I did UTMB uh, a couple of years ago. I did eventually do it after getting hit by the car. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, it was kind of, I don't know, maybe I'd built it up to be this fantastic experience. And it was, I mean, it's, it's a great event, but I don't know, just being around so many people um, and being part of something so huge, it kind of made me realize that that's probably not, the journey that I want to take and you know being out in the spine race by yourself and I think it's everyone's own little mini adventure I think yeah. I much prepared preferred that aspect to it so and um, yeah I've just I've just been really lucky to do some amazing things and I really I want to continue doing mm -hmm. things you know I, I want to run <clears> for the rest of my life or at least move in a fastest direction for the rest of my life so <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, you know, there's loads of things that I still want to do, and it's maybe not necessarily running-based, but definitely, you know, adventure and expedition-type things. So, yeah. Cool. I'm not even uh, sure I answered your question there. <laughs> I'm not really bothered, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you, you told us about some pretty cool things. I kind of go off on a tangent. No, no, hey, we're, back in. <laughs> we're, we're all about tangents on here, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, it's, good that, it's good you mentioned the spine because I was I was following I was following your journey along the spine. I was actually in Houston at the time and I was following along the tracker and was uh, following yourself and um, a few other uh, a few other people. Um, and uh, I think you know for people who don't know what the spine is, it's a it's a 268 mile race the whole way from Derbyshire, uh, uh, and Cardiffin, which is just on the borders of Scotland. But it takes in some of the most amazing bits of the country, I suppose, right over, uh, you know, through the Pennines, um, over Higgins Wall, and then eventually up around the Cheviot Hills. 
Um, and you know, you finished eighth overall, I believe, which was you know second second female in something like 118 hours or something. Uh, and I remember yeah. I, seen a vi- I think I've seen a video of you at one point, and I think you were just like, oh, well, it's not as terrible as I thought it was going to be, <laughs> <laughs> which, <laughs> which I thought was really interesting, um, especially after you did the you know, TDG um, either the year before or the year before that, I think. And I think you said that at that time that the, the spine race was like the, the next race that you kind of feared the most. And I think that's a really, yeah. a really interesting thought that you... I guess are attracted to these things, which I guess give you that fear factor, and you really want to step outside that fear bubble every time you go out on one of these big adventures. Yeah, I, I mean, it only took up until like last summer when I was talking to someone, and someone actually turned around and said to me, "You know, you're obviously highly motivated by fear," and it was kind of like a penny dropped. <laughs> I was like, "I've never known that about myself," but you know what? It's it's so true. I am. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to step on starting lines where success is inevitable. I like the fact that you can go into a race and, you know, the higher dropout rate, the more attracted I am to it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love just that, that fear of the unknown, that fear of putting yourself out there where anything can happen. Um I kind of like that. I, I'm, I am motivated by that kind of event. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just, I always said, like, things where, you know, it, it's quite a common thing for ultra runners just to go out and keep repeating the same races, especially in Scotland, because we don't actually have that many races and events. And I mean, like, you can go down south and you can do an ultra on a Tuesday morning. Um, in the middle of nowhere with six people Um, so they have a lot of events and marathons and stuff whereas in Scotland we don't actually have that many Um, but the ones we do have have you know attract a really deep field so I mean that that's a good way Um, but I don't want to be that person that keeps repeating the same races over and over again just to race a time Um, for me you can't compare um, ultra races from year to year because you know, conditions can change dramatically and, you know, one year it can be, oh, I don't know, snow and wind and hail and the next year it can be like 25 degrees. So you can't really compare races and I just don't want to be that person that goes out and tries to chase a time because if that time starts to slip away, the motivation to continue sort of diminishes. So um, I always want to do new events. I'm always looking for new events. So... Um, and yeah, and going into an event where, you know, I could go and run the West Highlands Way and I could probably just run the West Ham Way and I know that sounds a bit, I'm trying to find a word that doesn't begin with W, um, <laughs> you know, that sounds a bit arrogant, <laughs> but um, yeah, I know I can do the West Highlands Way, I've done it three times and yeah. yeah, I could probably do it again, but do I want to? Do I want to go into a race knowing whatever happens, I can finish it? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I like to go into a race where um, you know success isn't inevitable. There is a high failure factor, yeah. um, and to me, yeah, that's that's what I train for. That's what um, that's I guess that's what I seem to be moving in that direction just now. Yeah, that's that's, that's really interesting. Um, and the I think um, I think I've seen that you're entered for the, the race across Scotland a bit later in the year, along with... Uh, nope, you're not. No? You haven't seen me on that anyway. No? Okay. 
Um, Unless I, I've uh, accidentally, inadvertently done it. No, I haven't. Oh, maybe. Okay, I, I've got that. I've got that piece of information wrong then. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that's all. You were doing so well as well. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> maybe uh, I should no, like how I'm presenting. Yeah, I uh, well after, after I've just said that I don't want to do races again, uh, I'm actually doing the Lately 100, which I have done twice before. Um, I, oh, yes, I just well, love being part of that weekend. Yeah, because I, uh, I think you had some unfinished business at that one time, didn't you? So you you'd finished. Yeah. And broke the record by two and a half hours. So I think you were pretty cross by that, weren't you? I broke the record by two and a half hours and still got beaten by something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can't complain. She had a great race. But, you know, you, you're only there against the people who turn up on the day. Um, and I was absolutely delighted by that time. So, no, I wasn't cross. I was. I ran the race that I wanted to run. Um, so I went back and did it the year after. I think it was the year after because I loved it. Uh, and I want to go back this year because... Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I need a Western States qualifying race. So nice. there's not that many in the UK. So there's, there's, yeah, there's not that many races in the UK that I haven't done to qualify. So yeah, yeah I'm going to apply for the fifth time this year. So All right. fingers crossed. Yeah, they have to let crossed. me in eventually. So I'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, your chances sure. your chances get better over time, don't they, with Western States? And yeah, uh, of think, course, if you don't uh, the year, they double every year, don't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, yeah every year but yeah. unfortunately more people keep entering so mm-hmm. yeah the, your chances increase slightly so mm-hmm. anyway i'll keep trying until they eventually let me in right I, I yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. you could um i guess always you know be on the at that yellow gate you know at the barclay marathons because you know there's a <laughs> there's a there's a race where you have um, you know very slim chances of yeah finishing, right? yeah that's you know, a few people have asked me about that, and I really don't have it in me to do it. I think it definitely takes a special breed of maniac, and I'm not quite sure I'm there yet. <laughs> Give it another but few yeah, years, I've then. said that about quite a few. <laughs> I've said that a few races. Someone's going to turn this up in front of me in a couple of years' time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I have that skill set yet yeah. uh, to do something. Um, yeah, it's definitely not on my radar. I love it. I love everything mm-hmm. about it. It's amazing. Um yeah, and it was great to meet John Kelly at the Spine, and yeah, he's just this tiny little guy who looks about 12, and you think, how did he do that? But he's obviously yeah. got something inside him that is quite special. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a crazy race, that one. Um, there's a few things uh, I wanted to ask you based on what you were speaking about there, and uh, Fear being one of them, so I wasn't going to ask any about fear actually, but um, I just wanted to share this quote that I came across a few years ago, which was uh, something along the lines of uh, "Everything you ever wanted is on the other side of fear," which uh, I think sounds pretty much like uh, your experience of going into these races. So you you have to have that fear factor, and then if you get through that, then you're going to uh, find success at the end of it. And um, Success was the other thing you mentioned. So you, success isn't guaranteed in these races, um, and I wondered what you defi- <coughs> excuse me what you define as success. So if you go into that spine race as an example, which is obviously an absolute beast of a race, and you know, you've done hundred milers before and that sort of thing, and big big races. But what what was what would have been your definition of success before you started it? Do you think? Um, yeah, before before I even signed up, I mean, obviously, I was part of that dot-watching brigade for years. And to me, it was just the kind of race where 
after you finished that, I was in complete awe. I just thought anyone who does that is is amazing. Um, did I, I? Maybe I had some goals. I wanted to finish before midnight on Thursday. That was my first of all. I wanted to finish it. That was. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that was my overriding goal um, was to finish it. I wanted to finish it before midnight on Thursday, and I finished it like six o'clock on Friday morning. Um, which I know is like six hours out, but when you're talking in spine time, that's not too far away from it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I think I <clears> wanted to... Uh, you, you mentioned already that I did Tour de Gion uh, two years ago, and um, that was my first time dealing with something of that scale. Uh, and I learned a lot from that, just you know how to deal with sleep deprivation, how to manage yourself when you're sleep deprived and um, you have to put yourself in that situation to know how to deal with it. Um, You know, you can do as much training in the world as you like or carry in your big rucksack or run through the night, but until you've actually put yourself um, 100 hours into a race, you don't know how to deal with it. Um, You don't know how you're going to deal with it and you don't know how to deal with yourself. Um, which is actually quite a frightening state to be in. Um, so I, I learned a lot from doing that, um, and I wanted to take that into the spine race um, and try and not make the same mistakes. I won't say I didn't, because I did. Um, so, yeah, my goal for that was was to finish it. I did have a time in mind, because I had people that wanted to come down to the end, and people were like, you know, asking me, when do you think you're going to finish? And I'd be like, well, any time between Thursday and Sunday um, <laughs> wasn't, really an, wasn't really an answer that went down well. Um, other than me saying to them, you just watch the tracker, you get an idea where I am. So I gave them kind of splits based on other people's times, which is, again, um, just plucking numbers out the sky. Um, so all I wanted to do was finish it. I, I wanted to finish top 10. Um, I knew if I didn't stick about it, aid stations um i could um I, I probably did spend too much time aid stations but so does everyone else um but yeah i just wanted to finish it um yeah i i, I had that when i finished it and everyone's like well would you do it again and i was I, you know the question i had you know i asked myself the question you know at the time i just think you know i got myself into some really really dark places in the race um, you know, there was a storm on Monday night and it was horrific. I mean, I cannot put into words what it was like being out there in the dark, being hit by Storm Brendan in somewhere you've never been before. Um, and then on the Tuesday night, there was a snow. I got lost in the snow up High Cup Nick and knowing that I had to go up Cross Bell. And, you know, I was literally terrified. You know, I texted my husband and said, I can't do this. I'm, I'm just not brave enough to go out there again. Um, and I think if I'd got myself into those situations again, knowing that I'd already finished the race, I'm not sure I would have the motivation to continue. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'll never do it again. Maybe one time, but definitely not <laughs> next year. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it was an amazing experience, and I loved most of it. Um, you know, I think there was quite a few videos um, kicking about during the week. 
um, and people were just saying you just looked really happy and smiley and uh, yeah I loved most of it um, there was bits where um, yeah were, were quite terrifying to be honest um, and those were the bits but overall I just loved that I loved it I loved being part of it I loved the adventure aspect of being out by yourself and being mainly self-sufficient for you know quite a long time um yeah it was it was amazing but i'm definitely not going to do it next year i'll definitely <laughs> sit at my screen watching other people's dots yeah, very yeah. slowly I, i've got a couple of still two more questions based on that so the first one is okay. uh, the spine race um itself and what what would it take in, in your opinion for a guy like me right i'm i'm more a road runner than a trail runner. I do I do like running on trails and I like running in the hills and that sort of thing. But as far as races go, I'm normally racing on the roads and you know do the odd marathon once every sort of few years. And apart from that, it's for half marathons and 10k's. And I've done one ultra. I did a 12-hour thing charity thing last year, and I covered 60 miles on a local hill. So that's a, the biggest run I've ever done. Um, right. If I was attempt the spine race which is obviously much 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 bigger what what sort of prep would i need and how many years do you reckon could i sign up for that and yeah, do next I year mean, and and succeed or what do you think well first of all the entries have now closed because they filled up in five hours so, you so can't i definitely can't do it next year <laughs> <laughs> damn you'll be good ah, no um, way. secondly there is quite a stringent betting process so it's yeah. not like you sign up and here's my money. Um, there's nothing specific, so you don't have to accumulate points like um, UTMB or you don't have to do any qualifying races like Western States. Um, so they go through um, every individual application. And I, I remember when I went in to apply, they, they were quite relaxed about what races you had done, but the examples of the races were like Tour de Gion, uh, UTMB, Bob Graham Round, uh, Lakeland 100, you know, events and races where you can go out in some quite rough terrain and be relatively self-sufficient and safe. Um, maybe go through it one, possibly two nights um, without sleep. So they're the kind of races and events that they're looking for before the, they will let you in. Um, I applied for the race quite late in the day. I think I got my place around about October last year. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be uh, supported by Montaigne. So I got my place through the side door, as people would say. Yeah. Um, but I had, you know, obviously had experience and background checks um, to make sure that I could be safe out on the Pennine Way in January by myself. Um so once I'd got my place, um, I felt like I didn't need to do any specific training because I'd already had quite a few years of ultra-distance experience. I'd done two 100-mile races already um, within that calendar year. Um, so I wanted to just get out on the course, um, which I'm really glad I did because the Pennine Way is like nothing I have ever run on before. It is quite a hostile, desolate place. Um, the underfoot 
conditions are quite tasty to say the least. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of bog, there's a lot of mud, there's a lot of faint, faint paths through grass. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to the route. You'll be climbing walls and stiles and gates and crossing a lot of muddy farmland. Um, so it was really good to get out on the course and just experience the true beauty of the Pennine Way. Um, before I'd gone on the um, actual route, um, you know, a lot of people had said to me, the Pennine Way is just utter, miserable, horrible place <laughs> to be. Um, and it's not technically true. There's a lot of really magical, amazing places on the Pennine Way. Unfortunately, you don't get to see any of them in the race because you're faced with 16 hours of darkness. Um, so I was really lucky to get out and just experience some of the terrain and some of the things that I was going to face during the race. And if I can, I will always get out onto a race course and recce the route. I am quite fanatical that way. <laughs> um, I, I don't like surprises. I like to know what's coming up. And it makes such a massive difference um, in the race. And, it plus, and then I could test some of the kit. Yeah. The race is... Um, has a really extensive and specific kit list. I think there's probably maybe 30, 35 items on that list that you have to show at Kit Check before they'll even give you your race number. Um, so things like sleeping bag, sleeping mat, a cooking stove and a pot, and right down to things like a fork and a knife and <laughs> antihistamines. <laughs> there's just some really random stuff in there. Um, but, you, you know, you've got to carry them because you can't get in a race without them. Um, so I went out and I um, did put all my runs, well, runs, I use an, a loose term. Um, all my days out in the Pennine Way, I took quite a, a heavy rucksack, um, which has kind of gone against everything that I have done in recent years because the focus has always been get stuff that's the absolute lightest. Um, you know, fast and light is always the... Yeah the kind of ultra runners go to isn't it so we were kind of going against the grain by going out and runs and just piling up stuff and taking extra this and that just to just to weight up the pack um it was a bit of a shock to the system the first couple of times i went out i find it um i found it quite hard having that big rucksack um i think it's okay if you're like maybe one of the, the bigger guys in the race but i'm not exactly a giant um <laughs> And everyone's got to carry the same stuff, yeah. you know. There's no, there's no uh, special treatment for someone who happens to be a little bit smaller. Um, so I found it quite debilitating at first, but you do just get used to it. And mm -hmm. the weight of the pack didn't actually bother me in the race, even though I'd never trained with the absolute full kit list. You know, I'd done one 30-miler on the West Highland Way where... I took as much as I could from the kit list just to make sure everything sat in the pack okay, didn't rub or didn't bounce. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think the only specific training I did for it was um, just going out with a heavier pack. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a really sharp learning curve, learning about all this new kit that I knew nothing about. And I could tell you anything you want to know about waterproof socks. So... <laughs> That could be my mastermind subject, waterproof socks, waterproof socks uh, which yeah. are which are worth their weight in gold. Let mm. me tell you. Yeah, well, all two hundred pound I spent on socks. 
Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, yeah my the, postman the, was arriving every day with yeah, I can care. imagine. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. Cheapers. Yeah. The the last question I was going to ask on what you were speaking about there was um, so you mentioned early on that um, you don't like to enter these races if you know you're going to succeed and. Um, and Dave sort of alluded to it by saying, well, why don't you go and enter the Barclays, uh, Marath Barclays Marathons? And um, the question really was, well, where, where does that take you then? Because, you know, once you've completed a 100-miler or once you've completed the West Highland Way, you're like, well, I've done it three times. I know I can do it. I can rock up and do it sort of thing. Then you start into these sort of challenges like uh, this, the spine. And now you know you can do that. You've you got your top ten and... Um, so where next then? I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot of races that I want to do. I mean, we spoke about Western States. Um, that's definitely one of the races that I, I would like to do. I, I would love to do Badwater. Yeah. Because our spots just cope so well in the heat. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I want to do it because, you know... I, I've been kind of out in that region and literally just sat on a rock because I couldn't move. I was just, the heat was debilitating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those races that I would really like to do. I'd quite like to do more things like the spine, maybe not mm -hmm. in the conditions like the spine. Um, the 16 hours of darkness is really tough. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even the conditions. It just, when you're in deep, deep, sleep deprivation on night three and you're mm -hmm. just doing circles around the bog because you just can't find your way back on the mm -hmm. track um, in daylight you might be able to see it a bit better it's yeah. just it becomes really frustrating uh -huh. um, I have a deeper appreciation of daylight and <laughs> the weeks gone by um, yeah I, I would like to do something like that um, yeah. it was amazing and it was amazing to be part of it and I don't think I really appreciated the, um, I don't want to use the word enormity, but the scale of the support for the race until after I finished it. Um, and there's people that I had no idea who were following me, like my neighbours <laughs> got really excited about it. And I was like, you know, my sister is not a runner and, you know, the first, you know, we were talking about it, and she was always oh, fascinated by it, and she just, she was like, oh my god, Eugenie, I was gutted for Eugenie, and I was like, these are words I'd never thought I'd hear my sister ever say. <laughs> um, so there's like people in my office, um, you know, one of the guys from my office sent a message saying, you know, everyone is just watching it, and and I was like, I don't believe that for a minute. There's, just, <laughs> there's no way anyone in my office is going to get excited about it. And they were, they were yeah, like the whole yeah. week. And I just, I think, you know, um, it kind of grasps everyone's imagination. Mm -hmm. It's not just people who are running or people who are ultra distance runners. It's quite easy to get sucked in and follow that race. Um, and I think the spine is quite special that way because, you know, it reaches groups of people who would never in a million years follow a race. So, yeah, I'd love to do something like that but with a little more daylight yeah yeah I, and I a little bit of a lighter <laughs> yeah i didn't realize that, that that either about the spine race that you know lots of non-runners would be following it and all the rest of it because i had no idea yeah because it's someone to know uh, that's cool i really like that um 
I was going to say there, you, um, oh, the 16 hours of uh, night time, yeah, Jenny was talking about the 100 miler she did a couple of weeks, well, a couple of weeks ago she was talking about it and she said that was tough, so she had it's one night tough. to deal 16 hours of darkness and she actually, in the end, gave up and went to bed for a couple of hours and then got up just as the light was coming up yeah, again. Yeah, the worst thing for me was, I mean, there's like five checkpoints along the way, so say they're every 50 miles, give or take. Mm -hmm. Um, so after like the second day, the way that I was moving, I was going into checkpoints during daylight, um, and you just want to maximise being out in the daylight. So I kept skipping mm. sleep um, because I just wanted to go out, and then I would go out and I would just be really sleep deprived and really slow and really incoherent and making stupid mistakes where I probably just should have slept. But it's just that sleeping during daylight when daylight is really precious yeah um, it, it is yeah I, I, just the timings of it and it was just you know the three main checkpoints at the end were all during daylight hours oh really um, but that was yeah it's really tough and like the last the last day when it got dark and I knew I was going out for the long haul and once it gets dark and you just know that's the best it's going to get. There's just nothing to look forward to because you know, you know, it's going to be sunrise by the time you finish. And it's just that whole, I don't know, if you're out in the dark or you go out for an early morning run or something, you know, you've always got that hope that it's going to get better and the sun's going to come up and mm -hmm. it's going to be, but when you're going out into darkness, knowing that you're just going to be faced with 16 hours of darkness on a bog and the tributes. Um, it, it's kind of hard. As yeah, the, the the darkness thing I think was probably for me the most difficult aspect of the race. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean you're really selling it to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm it's I, I, yeah, I mean I'm listening to this as an ultra runner and thinking. Yeah, she's not put me off yet. I actually, <laughs> but that's the <laughs> thing, right? I mean, I was out there uh, in Storm Brendan on Monday night, and I was just thinking, this is horrific. It's dangerous. I can't stop to put any clothes on because I'm getting hit by a hundred mile per hour winds. Um, the rain, and I didn't know rain could hurt that much. <laughs> it was just a full-on assault. And, yeah, in the snow on Tuesday night, when I got lost in the snow, just stupid. I just couldn't get back on the path. And there was no reason. In the cold light of day, or with a bit more sense, I wouldn't have come off the path. But because I was so tired and so cold, and I couldn't see straight. And it's at those times, you know, I, I, I've lost count of the amount of times that I said to myself, do you know what? Suck it up. This is what you signed up for. It's the fucking spine race, you know, it's not, <laughs> and I kept saying this to myself, and it kind of puts things into perspective, that you don't want to do the spine race when it's a really mild winter, and you have no snow, and you have no rain, and you don't have a storm, um, it, to me, what's the point? It's kind of like, well, a couple of years, like, people have done Spartathlon in Greece, which I talked about, and it's been quite yeah. mild. And even they say they just don't feel like they had that full experience. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, even like in the week before the spine, uh, the conditions were looking quite favourable. And a few people had messaged me saying, you know, you're going to get it really lucky. This is going to be the cheap year. 
And the whole time during Monday night when I was hit by that storm, I was like, yeah, they're eating them worse now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to have it. It's, it's a whole part of the experience. I wouldn't want it to be easy. That's not what people sign up for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were really lucky that we didn't have any ice on the ground. But on the flip side, if you've got ice, the ground's at least solid. Um, so, yeah, we had a lot of mud. There was a lot of people with shin tendonitis. Um, and the medics were just saying it was just people pulling their feet out of mud for so yeah. long. Yeah. Um, even now, like, where are we? Five weeks after the race, I've still got problems with my shins. Literally, the mobility in my ankles are like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I really struggled with the weeks after the pain in my shins was really, really sore. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, yeah, every year is just completely different. It's, I think yeah, they've worked their way yeah. through it. So that's the beauty of these things, though, isn't it? Especially in, I mean, in Scotland, but I suppose anywhere that the conditions can change. When you mentioned in Greece, it can be milder, you know, which I, I suspect means cooler. But um, which is not what we call mild in Scotland, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you mentioned um, you mentioned bad water, and that's one of the bucket list ones. And again, that's obviously a completely and utterly different experience you would get there. I mean, I remember hearing, yeah. I think it was uh, Dean Carnaza speaking about his. Uh, he had to run on the white line in the middle of yeah, the road because he touched the tar. <laughs> shoes were melting. I mean, that's yeah. just bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of the, I don't know, it's just, I like doing things that are different. Um, I always go from one extreme to the other. Um, like, I'll go and do, like, a 5k track race in my pub or something and then do a 100-mile race a couple of weeks later. Um, I just like all aspects of running. Um, yeah. I like just, I like being outside, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I do, I do go from one extreme to the other. I'm a bit of, um... Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> I just like to do all different things. <laughs> yeah, I think also, yeah. um, you know, I can't, I can't. It's, I'm sure people listening will be, well, either incredibly inspired or totally frightened of what you've just said. So uh, I'm certainly on the inspired side. But I guess just speaking. Yeah, about, you know what? I just. I guess. Yeah, I, I guess. Just, think, you know, sorry, I want to. Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> Um, no, I always just I I I do I would love people just to you know push themselves out their comfort zone a little bit. Um, yeah, I think things are out there, and it's kind of weird because like I don't know, maybe there's a quite a few people who maybe had the spine race on their radar, but just had that fear. Um, you know, people that I've spoken to, and then all of a sudden because I've done it. They're probably thinking, you know, if she can do it, I can do it. So uh, maybe there's quite a few guys specifically who have suddenly think that they can do the spine race, um, which is fine. Do you know what? If people look at it and think, do you know what? If she can do it, anyone can do it. That's that's fine by me. It's just you know, it gives people maybe they a little bit of courage to do something. So yeah, I, I mean, it was great. I mean. Talking about, you know, uh, inspiring people, I mean, Sabrina being in the race ahead of me, um, you know, people might assume that I might have 
I don't know, been missed that there was someone ahead of me. And it was the complete opposite because the times where I got myself into really low points, um, the bit where I text my husband and said, I just can't do this anymore, I'm too scared. You know, I didn't want to go up cross fell in a snowstorm. I'd been up cross the fell on a nice day and it was it's quite a hostile place. Um, and having Sabrina ahead of me in the race was a massive motivator because she's this really strong female who, you know, wasn't sitting in a checkpoint cowering in fear like I was doing. She was up there, um, you know, going straight into the storm. So, yeah, I mean, having her there was a massive motivator for me to continue. So maybe if someone saw that, I can do the spine, it might inspire them to do it too, or it might inspire them to do something that they're scared of. So yeah. Yeah, no, I like I like that. And I think um I think, you know, out of all of the all out of all of the achievements that you've had over the years and um and probably no doubt all the ones yet to come, I think probably one of the one of the ways which you inspire a lot of people and uh you know, give people confidence to do something is obviously through the 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 yearly markathon, which is uh, you know reaching out yeah. to uh, thousands upon thousands of people on a global scale now. Yeah. You know That's how how does that kind of yeah how does that kind of I mean I I've taken part in it for the last few years and uh, got my buff this year so thanks for sending that in the post that was great. Um, oh, and you're one of the elusive. Buff. <laughs> one of the elusive buff yeah. people, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know so I mean out of out of the kind of you know your achievements that you you have personally in, in your own running career, surely you know that the, the Markathon movement must be right up there with some of the most proudest things that you've, yeah, kind, of, you know what? you've kind of done. The thing is, like, I can't even take responsibility for it. Um, it was something that happened in our living room the year our son was born and, you know, Marco decided he was going to run every day in November and I love a bit of intermarriage competition so <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going to do it in December because that's tougher. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we uh, I just kind of put it on my blog, and a handful of people decided to do it as well. Um, and the year after, I think it was the year after, I put it on as a Facebook group, and we got a few hundred people doing it. And then it just escalated from there. I mean, I think last year has to have been the most bonkers year. Um, uh, yeah, like you say, there's like thousands of people across the world running every day for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Um, other than there's a community group on Facebook, which are a really friendly bunch, uh, and talking this weird Scottish language that half people don't understand. Um, so I, I can't even take responsibility for it. It's just one of those social media phenomenon that's just kind of grew by itself, with people just talking about it and sharing it. I don't really... You know, put too. I would say I don't put too much work into it. It takes over my life in December. People messaging me asking if they can run on a treadmill. It's just, yeah. there's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. My inbox is full of really bizarre questions. Um, but you know, we we the rules are really quite simple, and we want it that way. And to me, the marathon isn't about you and me and Callum and you know people who can run or our regular runners, to me, it's the people who step outside their comfort zone. Um, it's the people that don't run, or you know, that everyone in the. I'm not really a runner. I've heard that Lord knows how many times on that group. Um, and it's the people who just push themselves that little bit 
um, and what is ultimately the hardest month of the year to run. Um, and the people who just keep at it, um, you know, who go out and do like a part run PB or they'll, they'll sign up for a 10K or a half marathon or even a marathon because they've found this courage to do it and, you know, they've found a little bit inside themselves that they never knew they had. Um, so for me, it's always about people who maybe try something new um, rather than people who are just missing a rest day. Um, so it is phenomenal and every year it grows and it gets a bit mental and it's amazing. It's just, it's really overwhelming. Um, yeah, it's quite, it's quite something. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that is that is genuinely amazing, and uh, the the power of inspiring people is not to be underestimated. And you mentioned a couple of times about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, and the people who do that during that marathon or any other time when they they first lace up and get out there. You mentioned right at the start about the first run you had, and you couldn't run for a minute. And yeah, or I'm I'm not really a runner is a phrase that we often use and or have used, and I think most or maybe not most of us but or probably most of us as runners probably were in that boat at some at some yeah. stage of our lives you know we, we had to start running at some point before we became runners and then we all go on to achieve whatever we do and I think that's the real inspiration and when people can hear your story in particular where you've gone from uh, trying to run around the block and not really managing to then going on to represent Team GB and you know complete all these iconic races and you know absolute things that are just absolutely bonkers when you really think about it you know a 268 mile foot race is just absolutely crazy but people do it and you know from humble beginnings as well you know and uh yeah i, I think that's brilliant and if things like markathon you know i i love you know because like you say it can it's that sort of push on just to go right i'm gonna go and try that and it's you know it is simple i think is it 20 five minutes or three miles whatever yeah I mean I would never advocate running on the bounce at all you know (laughs) know, I always think rest is really important but for some reason this is just but um, yeah it's amazing but I I honestly I don't take responsibility for it it was just one of those things that just grew on social media and probably just got lucky that we found a little market there and Mm -hmm. You know, most people have no idea why it's called Marcathon, and that gets asked all the time. Um, some people think it's a memorial race, which is quite dark. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you know why it's, why it's really called Marcathon, yeah. that is quite I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. your husband might disagree with that one. <laughs> She's very much alive and kicking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it is, I don't really take responsibility for it, but I love hearing all the stories and... I love the people who come on every single day and, you know, that one person who wants to give up because they just can't be arsed to go out and literally mm-hmm. it's like the hordes of people that come at them and just, you know, <laughs> they've gone silent for 25 minutes and you know they've gone out for the run. Brilliant. Um, but I love that. And, you know, there's things like Ken who's like 86 and he's out every single day and he's just amazing. I love all the stories. There's quite a few characters in there. Um, and to me, it's about the stories. It's not about people running six-minute mileing and all that kind of boring stuff. It's the people that just go out and come in with mm-hmm. their hair all messed up, and it's just—it's just quite magic, isn't it? It's just—it kind of—it's just, it kinda, it's just the, the true meaning of community and running, um, which I love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, 
I was going to talk. Uh, we have a we try to have a theme every episode, and the theme this week this week was going to be inspiration. Anyway, so we've kind of just touched on that a wee bit. But um, aside from what we've talked about there, and you have actually mentioned it a few times, what what specifically inspires you in in running and in life generally? Uh, good question. I, I you know I wish I had that one person that I could say that person's inspired me. <laughs> um, I have a lot of people who inspire me. Um, I have a kind of core group of friends, um, people I train with. Who yeah, I think we kind of are a bad influence on each other. Uh, Marco, my husband, I think we are a bad influence on each other as well. Um, we are very supportive of each other, which is great. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, how do you both find time to run? Um, you know, we both work full time, we've got Cairn to manage. Um, and it actually works easier because we both run, um, because we both appreciate it. Uh, don't get me wrong, we do have occasional arguments about who's going first on Saturday morning, because he's already organised his run with his pals and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it just works. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, People round about me inspire me more. You know, the, the ultra running, you know, community in the UK just now is amazing, and there's just so many amazing performances. There's so many women coming into the scene who are phenomenal, and you know, really competing well on a world stage. And you know, I'm not going out to compete with them by any stretch of imagination, but the fact is, they're just going out there and. You know, working really hard. I really appreciate, um, you know, people who are passionate about what they do and put the effort in. Um, yeah, I just, you know, if I have a training schedule, I stick to it to the T. Um, if my training schedule says five miles, I'll do six. That's just the way I'm wired up. Um, so yeah, I, do, I don't think I have any special talent at all. I just work probably harder than most people. Um, and I'm quite committed to what I do. Um, I love being out there. I love training. I don't necessarily love racing at that time. I'm not one of these people that go, well, I've got a half marathon today and I loved every minute of it. Uh, I don't. Um, I sometimes, yeah, struggle a bit doing races. That's the reason why I'm doing races. But I love training and I need races to make me train. Um, I need a goal. I need a focus. Um, so I suppose that's what kind of keeps me going. Yeah. Again, I don't think I answered your question there. I think I just went off on one. No, you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely did. Um, yeah, I was gonna. You mentioned uh, lots of amazing female uh, athletes out there in, on the world stage, and I mentioned this to you when I contacted you that I'm constantly looking for um, female inspiration, as I am now the dad of two uh, young girls and. Uh, Dave has daughters as well, and I guess um, it's something I hadn't, hadn't even thought about, you know, as a as a male growing up. You know, all my sort of role models as a, when I was younger were all males, and you know, sexism never really entered my mind. You know, it's just we do. <laughs> I think live well, not think we do live in a sexist culture. And we do, and you know what? I had quite a sexist upbringing. I, yeah. My mum is probably one of the most sexist people you ever meet. <laughs> she was kind of like, my brother got to do things. I've got mm. an older brother and a younger sister. 
and my brother got to do things and he had like more freedom to do things like outside whereas my mum would always say to me it's different because you're a girl yeah. um, you're not allowed to do those things um, maybe that's why I completely rebelled yeah, and yeah. Now, now I'm her biggest worry um, maybe she should have <laughs> let me more freedom when I was a child yeah, um, yeah. I don't know I mean it's kind of hard it's a, it's a hard time to bring up kids I think um, but I always for me I would just like to instill appreciation of the outdoors with my son. Um, I think that's really important that kids get outside. And um, yeah, I've maybe tried to force Karen a little bit down the running route because then it would fall in line with what we do. And he does it. He, you know, he's a member of our running club, um, and he does junior park run every Sunday. And you know, he's quite happy. He's like he doesn't have that drive in him like you go home and you see some of these kids and they just they just want it and they're just mm -hmm. like so fierce it's all over their face and he's just sauntering around looking at spiders and stuff and he's quite happy to do that but he found his his thing in climbing like even uh, as like when he was younger <clears> he just climbed on everything everywhere we went he climbed and I thought well do you know what if that's what he likes and I took him along to the climbing academy and now he goes to the climbing centre and he's there like you know a couple of times a week and you know he's found his thing um, maybe I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't taken him outdoors on the hills and realised that he was a bit reckless and a bit fearless and I thought I might channel that into a better direction um, but yeah I think it's good yeah I think as long as kids get outside um, and appreciate the outdoors. They don't necessarily need that one person. Um, but yeah, I think uh, just being outside. Just the last thing you want is you know your girls to be watching Love Island and thinking that that's what they want to be because that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm so I glad mean, I don't have daughters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, Good luck, I'm guys. A, yeah, I'm a, I'm a great believer in each to their own, but. Uh, sort of yeah. point when it comes to my own kids I don't I want know. you know I, I do have a son as well he's the youngest but um, I'm sort of less worried about him because I think um, the world is well at the moment the world's geared up for for, for males actually uh, and yeah the you know they get into pop music and that sort of thing and I used to you know I had no idea of the, the sexism and that sort of field at all as a young boy growing up but it's really yeah. really screams out the TV at me now and I'm like I know it's horrific oh, Jesus <laughs> you just have to go to a wedding yeah. and see a six year old on the dance floor and you're like what are they <laughs> yeah, doing someone yeah. give that child a pole um, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's, uh, but that's just what they're kind of faced with and it's kind yeah, of like I, my son watches guff on YouTube and I'll catch some of the things you watch watching and you're like I'm not even controlling this it's just mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, so if you anyway, I feel we've digressed. Yeah, we have, we have digressed. But I was just the way to the back. Dark and say, parenting. If you can get them away from the screen and outside, like yeah. you said, then you know less exposure to that stuff and more exposure to the outside. Yeah, it's all about balance. Like I'll yeah. take care. If he wants to play something, that's fine. Let's go out for a mile run or something like that. Yeah, so. I I conned my she's seven now. I think she's maybe six at the time. But I conned her into a whisper by saying, "You've got to run a mile first. <laughs> yeah, that's. But it's kind of, I, I mean, I went along and I help out at Karen's school and they've got an athletics team there and these kids are in P7 and uh, the first day I went along there, 
it was like it was alarming that some of these kids literally didn't have the motor skills to go through the motions of running. Wow. It's just yeah, yeah it's really hard. Yeah, it's quite sad. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. So just yeah, I think as long as you get them out and moving, it doesn't really matter, does it? As long as they'll find their own grave somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they will. Um, yeah, we'll we'll move along with. Did digress quite a bit there. Yeah. So we, we, do, we, we have a recurring uh, theme on the podcast, which we, we try to speak about most episodes, which is um, how running saved my life. Um, and we have uh, various clips from people that people have sent us to tell us how running has saved their life or how it's you know made a massive difference in their life. And I wonder if if that's something you ever think about. And you know, yeah, no, running, absolutely. I mean, time. I started running. Um, yeah, I was. I, I wasn't in a dark stage because I'm fortunate enough that I've never had to deal with uh, mental health issues. Well, to any extreme, anyway. Um, but you know, I I didn't have a healthy relationship with food. I was binge drinking. I was smoking. Actually, one of the reasons why I, I started running was to stop me smoking. Hmm. Um, which is kind of. But there's yeah, I think running and ultra running specifically has a lot of people who are running away from things. So um, I think the ultra running community is full of ex-drug addicts and alcoholics and smokers and mental health issues and Mm -hmm. eating disorders. I think we cover all the spectrums. And, you know, people will say, you know, like you said, running saved me or saved my life and... I, I don't know, I, I, I struggled with that because they've just found another addiction, they've found mm-hmm. another outlet yeah. um, and I see it all the time with people who, you know, who share their life on social media and Facebook and you know every aspect of their life, you know when running is going well and they're PBing or they're doing all these amazing adventures and how you know, their life is turned around and then they go absolutely gung-ho, race too much, run too much, they get injured and, you know, the rug's been pulled from under their feet and they're back at square one in this really, really dark place. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, running definitely sent me on, you know, maybe not necessarily at a crossroads, but it, it took my life in a completely different direction to where I was ultimately going um so yeah i mean it has changed my life significantly um and it changes my life every single year um because i find new and stupid things to do um i I wouldn't necessarily say it saved me it changed me for the better for sure but i always like yeah i really struggle with people saying that they've found another addiction to replace addiction um, because running is addictive, you know it's addictive. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think people need to be quite careful with that, or at least, yeah, I mean, I see it all the time, and you know it's ultimately going to end in them being in a, a really dark place, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's all positive. It's mostly positive. I don't want to turn this into a dark spin, but um, to say that replacing addiction with another addiction is probably not the right route. But yeah, it's healthier and it's definitely a much better outlet. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've I've seen that before. We we actually interviewed um, an ex an ex heroin addict um, 
uh, last year about and she had found running and I used to help uh, coach her and last year as well and th there was a point where she was just entering race after race after race mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. and I was you know it's, it's such a common thing we're sort of already entered before I was helping her and I was sort of trying to steer her you know I was like well okay you've got those races you're gonna have to back off the training as a minimum and just run easy in between and you know sometimes she's running like two or three races in a week you know or doing two races in a yeah. week and going along the club it's session. It's not uncommon though is and, it? Uh, kind of yeah and she got a, a stress fracture in her foot ultimately <laughs> and yeah predictably and yeah she she did hit a dark place I mean well, thankfully not you know she'd been clean for a long time and she wasn't going to go back into the heroin addiction or anything but I think she mentally struggled for a couple of months yeah. and um uh, and she did get herself back and then uh she's in a really really good place again now but um but yeah that that has got to be a common thing where people find something else and they just throw everything at it it's just in the yeah this is the go gung-ho and i think it's mm -hmm. great because i mean I've, I've seen it from the outside you know the community trying to rally around and give people advice but at that time, you know, they're running so well and they're invincible and they're recovering <laughs> and they're winning and everything's going on the up. And then when it stops going on the up, that's when, uh, I don't know, it's kind of, I don't know, you see people becoming like really reclusive and they sort of attract back and there's the never-ending, I'm taking time out of Facebook, and which is more worrying because they've kind of gone into themselves, but, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. But, I mean, yeah. definitely, I mean, to take it back to your question, running has completely changed my life. And yeah. I think for most people, yeah. it is always uh, very, very positive. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think that some of the stories we have heard um, is genuinely has either saved or, you know, really, really pulled them away from someone else, and, and it's a positive influence in their life. So, yeah, it's definitely yeah. A, a healthier outlet, and the people mm -hmm. that you get to meet is just, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a massive positive, Absolutely. not just about putting on your trainers and running around the block a couple of times, there's <laughs> a, a massive aspect, all different aspects. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I have some questions that we've asked uh, others uh, on Facebook, actually, I'm going to get to in a minute, but Dave, I wanted to just let you step in if you've got anything else to ask before we move on to other people's questions. Do you have anything else you want to throw at Debbie? No, I think, uh, I think I've probably uh, asked her enough Are questions. Are you still with us, Dave? I'm still here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, just good to uh, listen. But yeah, I think we, we have, as Calm said, a few questions uh, from, from some people on social media. And it'd, be, it'd probably be rude not to start with uh, Jenny's question, who normally yeah. would present this uh, podcast, but. Uh, has uh, let me do it this week instead because she's off. She's off uh, doing some teacher training, and um, this this really specifically is around uh, the Bob Graham round, which um, I think you you slightly glossed over earlier. But um, you you, yeah. um, you you've obviously done the Bob Graham round, so uh, yeah. she's she's planning her own her own attempt, um, which which I think you know anyway. And uh, she's yeah. just wondering what the uh, what the kind of top training tips for doing the round would be. Uh, get well on the course yeah the more that you can spend out on the route the better yeah I think uh, uh, yeah that's probably it it's, I mean it's a long old jaunt around the Lakeland Fells 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough going. It is tough going, and I was pretty terrified about the prospect of doing it. Um, I ain't no fell runner by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so yeah, I was uh, I was really pleased to complete it. Um, yeah, I think uh, it, it's going to be a tough day out. Like I wanted to quit after leg two. I was it was quite a humid uh, night, and I really suffered from nausea and. Uh, my hamstring had flared up, and I I really wanted to quit after leg two. I was I was done. There was no way I could do it within the time frame because I'd lost so much time. And uh, if it wasn't for the fact that one of my friends had come from deepest darkest Englandshire to um, come and do leg three with me, I'm not sure I would have went out. Which is quite sad to think that I wouldn't have done it. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah, you've got there's going to be a lot of peaks and troughs in it. Um, you know, everyone says it's a lovely day out with your pal, which essentially is, but it's also a really tough day out. Um, there's going to be quite a lot of peaks and troughs, and you know, if you've got, if you're lucky enough to be able to choose a weather window, um, it makes a massive difference. I did it. Uh, I think there was like a month of dry and sunshine either side of the weekend I did it. There was like a thunderstorm the <laughs> night that I was about to start and I had to push it back a couple of hours. I literally chose the only shit weekend in about two months. Um, which means when the rain hits the rocks, it just turns into grease. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think just getting out on the route and knowing what's ahead is massive. It's yeah. just... It's a tough undertaking, but Jenny's tough art. She'll be totally fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she she's will. A, she's a tough nut for sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. She's so that's really in, so that's good advice then. So just get out there on the course and uh, have yeah. have somebody meet you on leg three who you're really looking forward to see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Try and, eat, try and eat a little bit more than I do as well. Well, I, I heard this rumor <laughs> about you, and actually that 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 that, that neatly falls onto one of our questions <laughs> from from Jillian Cardinal Strachan about about uh, what do you eat during ultra runs. And I, I heard oh. this rumour that you've completed West Ham Way on the grand sum of two gels or something like that, which is, <laughs> which is, which is, <laughs> which is nowhere, nowhere near the 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate which is recommended every hour. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of Chinese whispers in there. She once ran the whole of Great Britain on one jelly baby. Um, is that I, true? No. <laughs> I um I really struggle with eating. And do you know why? Because I let myself get too dehydrated and then I feel nauseous and then I can't eat because I'm nauseous and it's just this cycle that I go through. Um yeah, I, I really struggle. I, I once did the Highland Fling on five jelly babies and that's probably where that story stemmed from. Um yeah, I I just suffer really badly with nausea. Um, I've never got to the bottom of it. Uh, someone will listen to this and tell me to eat ginger, and I'll be like, I tried that many times. Um, so, yeah, you know, you've got to find your own thing. If you've got a stomach of steel and you can eat without feeling sick, I salute you. I want to know your secrets. Um, I take in a lot of liquid calories. Um, I find it really hard to physically chew. Um, so a lot of liquid 
stuff. Actually, do you know what? I'm not even going to answer this because I'm the worst person to ask that question. <laughs> I feel like I'm just blabbering to yeah. make myself sound like an expert when really I am the world's worst. So I'll probably just say I'm self-confessed rubbish at eating. I think the, I think the answer lies in the fact that the answer lies in the fact that everyone is different, aren't they? Yeah. You know, lots of people like to say can have a stomach of steel. I know Dave has trained his stomach to be able to eat just about anything when he's running. The others, you know, well, like I mean, we spoke to Camille Heron last year, and she she can do phenomenal things on just gels, you know. Yeah. And even then, I just start throwing up gels. Yeah. Because I just gag on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, they're not. Nice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're a sort of necessity. I drink um, a lot of Coke and a lot of like uh, mm-hmm. Tailwind, Active Root, Morton. It's quite highly calorific. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I try to get as much calories as I can through liquid because. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and that's one way yeah. of doing it, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you just got to find your way. I think I'm quite lucky. I don't need to take in as much as most people. I know, like, when I did the the spine, sorry to harp on about it again. Um, one of my friends, Rob, who I was with at the time, Rob's, you know, he's, he's quite a lean guy, but he's a big guy. Um, and uh, he was, like, working his way through his 4,000 calorie supply between checkpoints, and he was really struggling to get his energy level up, and he was eating and eating and eating, and he just couldn't. And I was like, I don't know, maybe... Although I was moaning about the rucksack being too heavy, just being a little bit smaller makes it a bit easier because you don't have to. Yeah. I mean, to take in that amount of calories for that event, um, if you burn a lot of calories, it's hard work. I mean, it yeah. must just be constant. So, um, yeah, I don't think I need to take in that many calories. Well, not as many as other people. I know mm-hmm. I, I need to take in a whole lot more than what I do. It's definitely my nemesis is... Um, my feeling mm. and much to the pain of people who are crewing for me <laughs> <laughs> I bring out this wonderful array of things and then I'll be like nah I'm not eating that nah. yeah, that I'm going to feed that sandwich to the birds um, <laughs> yeah but I'm not the best person to ask sorry no it's like it's, uh, <laughs> I think that all answers are valid because you know it, yeah. it tells you that there's no, there's no hard and fast rule and even someone as successful as you can struggle with that side of things, you know, and I think that's that's yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think maybe I've got a bit better. I don't know. My crew will probably tell you I haven't, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably better asking someone else. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was uh, Julian Carnestrani who was asked actually three questions. So <laughs> the other the other two are around your training. So I'll, I'll lump them in together. Um, okay. And she asks, uh, do you do intervals, shorter, faster runs, or is all your mileage longer what is your weekly average as well that was the other thing she asked uh, oh gosh uh, okay I'll answer the first one first um, I run pretty much every day apart from usually a Friday um, so I will alternate it so I will do like an easy run on a Monday maybe like intervals or speed session on a Tuesday um, I coach the juniors on a Tuesday night, so I do a kind of um, a run with them. And then Wednesday, sometimes I'll do like a double run. Thursday, usually like hill session. Friday, rest day. 
and then I'll do a long one or say a Saturday and an easier run on a Sunday. I don't do big back to backs. Mm-hmm. I haven't for many years. Um I did back in the day. Um I think people were a little bit less knowledgeable about running and it was all about miles and miles and miles mm-hmm. and you know, people doing thirty miles on a Saturday and thirty miles on a Sunday and if you saw someone doing that, you'd think you had to do the same. And I did that for quite a while. And I just became like a really slow plodder, to be honest. Um, I'm not saying it wasn't beneficial because I think it really helped condition my legs to where I am just now. Um, but I don't, I, I used to do probably a whole lot more junk miles than I do now. Um, so my weekly mileage, it depends what I'm training for. Um I would say it probably sits on average about 60, maybe 70. And then I kind of might push it up towards 100 um, when I'm peak training, but not consistently. I don't knock out 100 mile weeks every week. I might do a couple of them um, before a big race, but I don't feel like I need to run um epic miles and you know I, i'm a full-time working mom it's mm-hmm. <laughs> i do what i can um, yeah yeah so your long run on a saturday what 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 do you sort of peak out at that when you're in the uh, if i say for example i'm training for a hundred mile race i would probably do a couple of 35 miles yeah yeah i don't i don't i don't see the benefit of going out mm-hmm. um and doing anything more um, no, I don't, I don't, I used to, I used to, I'd go out and do like a 40 mile run on a Saturday and a 30 mile run on a Sunday yeah. and then, oh, it's exhausting just thinking about, it. I, don't I, even know, I don't even know how I fit it in, yeah, I just, like, how did I do that? Yeah, um, it's your whole weekend, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, maybe, I don't know, Karen was a bit less demanding then. Um, whereas now I've got to take them here, there and everywhere but even still I don't think I'd want to do it even if I did have Mm -hmm. the freedom to do it Um, I'm doing a lot more strength stuff the last couple of years Um, and I'm yeah I'm kind of enjoying that a little bit more so we're going to the gym and going to classes and stuff Um, yeah I think I'm enjoying that a bit more Yeah. and I see the benefit of it now I think I'm, I'm no spring chicken and uh, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I think it would be. Yeah, I think I've just spent my too many years just running. Um, yeah, and last year I went to do Manchester Marathon, and I had to do like a lot of speed work. It was kind of like I stripped it right back to basics. Um, I kind of spent a year going around and doing some epic mountain races, and I just felt like I had no other gear. Um, so that's why I signed up to Manchester Marathon because I thought I just needed something to get some zip back in my legs. So it was good to actually train for that and then do a lot of strength stuff as well. So uh, yeah, sometimes <clears throat> it's nice just to go back to basics. Yeah, I, I just remembered something I thought of earlier today and I forgot to ask you and it, it sort of fits in nicely what you just said. And it was um, around the fact that you know you're, you work full time and you're a parent and you're also uh, sponsored by Montaigne. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I wondered if what your thoughts would be on um, whether you would actually like 
to be a full-time runner versus having a job and fitting running around it. I wish I had the talent to be a full-time runner. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the essential prerequisite. Um, I, uh, it's, you know what, I, I, kinda, I like my life the way it is. It's yeah. nice. There's good balance. It's kind of, um, yeah. I I love my job. I mm-hmm. I love what I do. I love running. Uh, yeah, everything's just fine. You just gotta have a lot of balance, right? Yeah. I think if I didn't have the job, maybe I would do too much. And I don't know. It's just yeah. I I, I love my job and I do what I can. And yeah. and you know I work for a newspaper, so it's pretty much twenty four seven. But there's people in my office who sit there for like 12 hours a day and I'm like, I'm just not doing that. I'm just like, I love it, but I've got a life as well. And I think once yeah. you start doing that, you just, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. I say that quite a lot, actually. <laughs> um, and I just, just, yeah, yeah, I do my job and I'll, I'll do it to the best of my ability. But there's life outside of working. There's mm-hmm. a big, so, yeah. Yeah, you can get sucked into that. But, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about it because I often sort of have this, uh, yeah, I, I also don't have the talent to be a full-time <laughs> athlete, which is unfortunate, but um, I, wish I, I wish I did as well. But at the same time, sometimes I think, well, I hear these stories of full-time or people who were full-time athletes, but then have for whatever reason had to go and get a job and the structure it brings to their life and they actually enjoy the running a lot more and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, that balance that you spoke about and yeah, if someone paid me the same salary I receive now to be a runner, yeah, I would definitely take them up on it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure. that would get any better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, oh yeah, look at her. Yeah, <laughs> probably do that. I have a team of massas and... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure I'll get any better, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, let's move on. So uh, Anne Murray on Facebook also asked um, a few questions. I'll see if we can rattle through them. So uh, the first one was, any advice for complete beginners building from regular 10 to 15 mile runs up to a 55K? I presume she's entered a 55K race. And what, what would be your advice? Uh, I would just say build up the miles slowly uh, I think for something like uh, 50k so that's about 30 miles um, you know if you can build up to 23 24 miles easy mm-hmm. um, that's fine I think the key is not to get fixated on pace which a lot of people do I think especially if it's like an off-road one um, and you know if you come from a traditional road running background it's hard to transition into that you know, using effort as a gauge rather than what your pace on your garment says. Um, so I would say just kind of build it up and do a couple of long runs at easy, enjoyable pace. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, if you can build up to 24 miles and maybe do that a couple of times, then that that's a pretty solid base. But, you know, you need to spread miles across the week mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So... Um, even throwing in a couple of double runs, like five in the morning and five at night, so it will condition your legs to run when they're tired, and um, might be beneficial. 
But, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the, the building up gradually thing is definitely the, that age old. the key thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we've probably all been guilty of not doing that yeah. in the past. So the, the other question, uh, I think this answers part of your uh, answer there, which was if it's off-road. She's asked about shoes for trail running. So any recommendations on Ooh, Good question. Uh, it really depends um, on what the terrain is like. I would mm. probably get something that's got quite a wide toe box. Um, nothing too narrow and maybe go up like half a size than your normal road running shoes um, but yeah I think definitely going along to a specialist sports shop or sorry a specialist running shop yeah. um, and having a chat with someone about the terrain and what kind of treads you would need because if it's like hard packed like the West Highland Way you don't need you know, anything aggressive, but if there's going to be muddy sections or you might need a different kind of shoe. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth going along to a running shop. I wouldn't recommend you go on sports shoes or I'm sure there's many other websites you can go on. It's just one popped in at my head there. Yeah. Uh, and just randomly buying a pair of shoes. Um, I think you can do that maybe after you've been to see someone, but it's good to get to get some advice. Anyway, yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot of good brands out there just now. Mm. So I wouldn't... Uh, me personally, I wouldn't choose anything too heavy, um, but then that depends on your personal preference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And getting something that's comfy as well is yeah. always key. Um, so she's asked about overcoming boredom or negative self-talk and keeping yourself focused. Yeah, the, the negative self-talk is yeah, that's something that I can be uh, quite guilty of. Um, this kind of I I don't really um, do mindfulness. I'm full of great intentions of doing it. I, I can appreciate the benefits of it and uh, meditation, but um, yeah, I never quite get around to finding that ten minutes in the day. Unfortunately, um, what I do is I just I just count. Um, if mm -hmm. I get like really negative thoughts, or you get to that stage where um, you know you're you're suffering mentally, and you just can't get that woodpecker out your head. Um, I would just count over and over again, just choose a number. I choose 21 because my son's birthday is on the 21st of January and uh, I just count over and over again and just focus mm -hmm. on breathing and somehow you kind of just push that negative stuff out your head. So that's my technique anyway. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, count, I've used it before actually and I, I mentioned in the show recently that I'd like to start doing that again. Paula Radcliffe famously did that when she was battering yeah. out world record marathons and that sort of thing. Yeah, so, it's, yeah uh, it just makes you focus on something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and, and our final one she asked was um, about cross training or strength training, Pilates, that sort of thing. Is there anything you use? You did mention strength training. Yeah, I do some strength training and oh, I wish I'd started this like 10 years ago, 15 uh, years ago even. Yeah. Um, yeah, I spend too much time just running um, and now like instead of doing a six mile run at lunchtime, sometimes I'll do like a three mile run and go to a 30 minute class um, mm -hmm. and that's way more ben beneficial than another 30 minutes of just plodding along the Clyde. Um, so yeah, I do um, some strength stuff. I go to circus classes. Um, now, which I have started maybe about, well, just over a year ago. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. Um, I do do a bit of yoga as well. I used to go to yoga class. Um, again, it's good to seek the professionals for things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's massively beneficial, especially for women. 
Um, uh, and yeah, it's just so easy to just fill your weeks with junk miles, and then when you get to a plateau, you can't understand why you've hit that plateau. And I think you know, just doing something out with it um, makes makes such a big difference as well. Especially you know, if you if you're struggling with you know fatigue or a niggle, you've got something else that you can fall back on rather than oh my goodness, if I don't run, I'm gonna get fat. And you know, <laughs> because that's what runners think, yeah. unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. so they'll run through things when they shouldn't be running, or they, you know, they come back from races too quickly. And if you've got something else that you can use that might not have the same impact or detrimental effect on your recovery, it's mentally it's good to have something else to go to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, final social media question we've got here from Jess Parson. Um, she is deferred her London Marathon place to focus on some ultra trail runs. So, um, yeah, she said she's fed up, clock, fed up with clock watching and wants to enjoy the freedom of running. So, um, looking forward to listening seen, to the... She has seen the light. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to listening to the interview. And her question would be, what would be your fir- top tips for her first ultra? I don't know what, uh, I don't know what the ultra is. But. Okay. Um, I would, if you can get out on the course... That mm-hmm. makes a massive difference. I, I don't know where the, the race is. Um, yeah, but if you can get out on the course, and if you can't, you can find lots about the courses on online these days. So um, it's good to know what comes up from a mental perspective. Um, so if you can't get out on the course, just find something on YouTube. Uh, just study it. I think it makes such a big difference. So, um, yeah, knowing the course, testing your kit, uh, making sure you've got the best stuff, you know, having fallbacks uh, of things that can happen on race day, you know, like the fling last year. I don't know if you were about there. Uh, the fling, for some reason, traditionally has really nice weather at the end of April. Um, there's no mandatory uh, kit. I, I think that has changed for this year um, about having to carry a jacket. And it was absolutely biblical. Uh, it was apocalyptic the whole day. And so many people suffered because they weren't told they had to take a jacket or take kit, therefore they didn't. Um, so, yeah, just being prepared for anything that can come up on race day, um, especially considering the conditions can change quite vastly in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's loads of information out there. I would feed loads of race reports and blogs and speak to people who have done the race and get some tips. Um, one of the girls that I helped with the train for the fling last year, she got herself a fling book, which I thought was quite comical at the time. <laughs> and every time I met her, she'd have a list of questions in her book. Um, and, you know, she wrote down everything that she learned about the race. And, you know, she had this book. And then when she's going to do it again this year, she's now going back and reading all the notes, and she, I made her write down all the things that went right and all the things that went wrong and the things that she would change. And now she's going back to things that she completely forgot that she wrote down. Um, and anyway, I mocked her for the spine book, and then I had, uh, sorry, a fling book, and then this year I had my spine book. <laughs> and it was just great to have all yeah. that information in one place and just write down little notes. And if you read blogs or listen to a podcast interview and just writing down little tips and just keeping it all together in a little book. So 
choose to buy yourself her first ultra book. Yeah, so I, I, I think I misunderstood that. I was just that that was a book for taking notes. It wasn't a book. Yeah, about yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. no, it's just a little book, <laughs> and she wrote down ah, cool. all these little snippets and things that she'd pick up along the way. And yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, it's really good. Well done, Jillian. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That is the end of the social media questions, and I think unless you have any other questions, Dave, I think we'll we'll let uh, Debbie head off now because we've taken up quite a lot of your time already. This is like quarter to 11 at night. Can I, know, I just tell you, I didn't even stay up for the bells in New Year. This <laughs> <laughs> is way past my bedtime. Yeah, it's past my bedtime too, actually. But, uh, we do no, Calum, Calum doesn't get to talk to many people during the day, so he no, has to make the most of these interviews. <laughs> yeah, you get to talk to some adults. It's amazing. Um, are, are you actually in a hut there, Callum? This is my office. It's a it's a, a log cabin. It was Swedish, um, Swedish massage parlor. It? Yeah, it looks oh. like a Swedish massage parlor. But you can see that what I'm pointing to. Uh, pointing to that's a printer. Okay, so oh, it's uh, it's like it's some kind of parlor. weird sauna. Yeah. Thing <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, this is this isn't really relevant to the podcast. But since no. you've asked, it's quite funny how how the the stages of your life. So I bought this um, a few years back, many years back actually. I used to play in a band, and this was our practice studio stroke recording studio and then um, when I became a dad I ditched all that stuff and I decided to take up running so it is kind of relevant um, and this became my gym I had a treadmill and some weights and stuff in it and then I became self-employed and this then became an office it's just like watching the slow demise of your life. <laughs> you started out as a rock star. <laughs> yeah. And here you are, a quarter yeah. to eleven at night. I know, it's amazing. Running. I know, fantastic. So, uh, on, on that note, I'm going to let you head off, as, as, as you've been taking the piss out of me. And um, the one final question is, where is the best place for people to find more <laughs> I'm not about you online. So, uh, there aren't many Debbie Martin Consanes. I'm yeah, sure, but, um, I think I've got the uh, monopoly on that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I would say I, I don't post a lot on Facebook and Twitter. It's usually just yeah, I, I, mostly Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So I like your. Um, I'm not sure if it's it's Twitter. I think anyway, but your your handle on there is Ultra Run DMC. Yeah, it's cool. the same as my blog and my Instagram. <laughs> it's all the same. Yeah. But yeah, That's, I'm not uh, hard to find. Who who came up with that name? That's cool. Uh, it's actually a guy at my running club. <laughs> and he actually was like, "Oh, here she comes, Run DMC," and it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, oh, "That's it, I'm reinventing myself." Yeah, superb. <laughs> I'd only well, been married for about five years when he said it. I was like, "How did I not know that?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah, look up Ultra Run DMC, and you will find, or just look up Debbie Martin Consani, and it'll be the only one probably in the world. I think <laughs> yeah. uh, you'll find her. So yeah, thanks so much for your time. Thank Debbie. you. Great chance, you both. Fantastic um, advice and insights into that. So. Um, all the best for the, the rest of the year, and I look forward to seeing you ripping it up at Badwater sometime <laughs> in the future. <laughs> or not Barclay. We've already established that. Oh, that yeah, yeah. We'll look forward to Barclays as well. Doing, doing the spine, so we can mm -hmm. always Yeah, sometime to that. a few, be a few years away yet. We have a few more, yeah. a few more hundred milers to do before I consider doing that. But yeah. So. I'm there. definitely, I'm, I'm definitely targeting doing stuff like that in the future as well. I'm nowhere Cute. near that now, but yeah. Sometime. Anyone can do it. Yeah. Just walking. For a long yeah. time. <laughs> in oh, various states of yeah, walking about in various <laughs> states of disarray. It's fine. 
I did a 100 miler last April, Debbie, and I almost gave up with four miles to finish because I couldn't get my foil blanket on. So, yeah, it's... Uh, ah, what it's, did you do? Well, it was just really cold, so it was like... No, what race did you do? Oh, it was the D99, so like the, oh, the bigger sister of the D33, so yeah, it was... Uh, there wasn't was that many people finished that, is that right? There, there wasn't, no, no. <laughs> I think by the time I got there... Idiot. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm Irish <laughs> as well, so it probably helps, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that one. Right. <laughs> okay, guys. It was really right, nice. thank you, Debbie. Thank All right, you take care. Bye. Okay, thank you very much, Debbie. Um, I don't think we'll go really chat much about that. I think uh, there was enough in there. People can take what they want from that. I'm, I'm just amazed and inspired and uh, definitely going to become an ultra runner, but maybe not this year. Um, <laughs> um, so, Dave, we'll just try and rattle through this, uh, the rest of the podcast content fairly briefly. So the last couple of weeks, um, what have you been up to? Uh, yeah, so the last, last few weeks have really been... Uh, build up to the Fenton Wrestle Forest Marathon, which was on Sunday. So yeah, the last couple of weeks was that really funny period that people hate called the taper. Um, so you know, we're, uh, backing off the the weekly mileage and uh, you know just sticking to some really easy light running with a few drills in there, um, and just kind of preparing myself for for Fenton Wrestle. And, Although, you know, it wasn't an A race, it wasn't even a B race, it was more like a, you know, just a training run, but mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of important to kind of uh, practice these motions, if you like, to, to you know, when you go into things like uh, Debbie talked about the Highland thing and, and things like that, which I'll be doing later in the year, uh, just to kind of get used to and, you know, almost train to have yourself in that mindset to, to go through those motions. So that's been, been my last few weeks, so... Um, I just, just did a recovery run yesterday, straight after the marathon. Had a had a rest day today, and be back on the back on the training tomorrow, ready for uh, ready for D thirty three in a few weeks' time. Yeah, D thirty three. That's um, mid March, is it? Yeah, it's just right at the. I think it's right at the end of March. Yeah. Oh, end of March. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Right. So for me, just been training really. So the last yeah, had a bit of a blip a few weeks back. Um, where we're t- the last time uh, you and I were on here talking about, um, you know, if you miss a run, it becomes acceptable to miss other runs and all that sort of thing. And pretty much the day I put this podcast out, I missed a run because of, uh, I can't remember what the reason was for it now, but it just, my, my my routine got disrupted and I missed a run and, and I was beating myself up about it. I was messaging you at the time about it. And, um, yeah, I just sort of gave myself a bit of a shake, to be honest, and, and got back on it the next couple of days. And, fell back into the routine of, of running, you know, five, six times a week. And um, to be honest, the last couple of weeks, I've, I've written this training plan for myself, and the last couple of weeks I've not even really been looking at it. I've had a rough idea of what's on there, but I've actually just been, every day I've been sort of deciding what do I need to do today, what fits best today, given what's going on in the week and that sort of thing. And I, I've been really, really enjoying training like that, actually. It's been it's been good, and I've done some really, probably the best training I've done um, this year over the last couple of weeks, and that's been pretty cool, actually. So, um, last week, I, was it last week? 
maybe the week before actually, yeah, the week before, uh, I did the 3K race again and I ran 10.23, which was exactly the same time as the month before, so I was hoping to go faster, but the conditions were bloody horrible actually, so I, I'm taking that as progress. Um, I think on better conditions I might have run maybe 15 seconds quicker or something, so head in the right direction and uh, a couple of weeks time I've got the Nairn 10k so all, all focuses on that and I'm, I'm hoping to, to get a good time there. Um, so yeah we'll move on, that's uh, the last couple of weeks anyway and we chatted about inspiration, that's the, the theme of this episode of the podcast and we managed to talk to Debbie about it and that was, that was great actually so um, we'll maybe just take uh, a small bit on this each um, where we take our inspiration from and, and really what I was going to add here was you know, I take inspiration from all sources a bit like uh, Debbie mentioned in her in her answer and you know everyday runners club runners elite runners and you know other others who sort of do amazing things but also others who uh, like Debbie mentioned a few times push themselves out of their comfort zone um, for the first time or you know, they just go and do something out of the ordinary for them and if it takes a lot of courage to do that and I often uh, look at these people and just take inspiration it's very easy to imagine that the inspirational people uh, in society are those who are achieving greatness in, in inverted commas you know the elite runners who go and break records and you know guys like somebody like Kipchoge who ran the sub 2 marathon and all that sort of thing and they are clearly inspirational but um, I find everyday runners or people who are not runners who become runners are, are almost more inspirational and, and one uh, girl in particular I was thinking about when uh, I, was, I was thinking about this earlier and, and that's uh, Kelly who I helped with her coaching she <clears throat> like a couple of years ago was uh, started trying to lose weight because she was um, she, she was a bit overweight and she's lost like I can't remember how much weight it is, but it's ridiculous. You know, she's lost stones of weight, and she's done it through running. You know, and she was gone from, you know, she came along to our Jog Scotland group um, a couple of years back, I think. You know, and she was that early stages where you do that sort of couch to five k type session where it's like run for thirty seconds, walk for thirty seconds, and you know, struggling to run for thirty seconds, and uh, but now she's you know. Uh, gone on and completed half marathon and uh, various 5Ks and that sort of thing, and, and she's you know lost all this weight and she's getting faster and faster all the time, and you know I just think that's brilliant. She's really an inspiration to anyone else out there who thinks, oh, you know, I could never do that, and uh, I think that's amazing. And I was also thinking about a conversation we had uh, years ago, Dave, which I don't know if you remember this or not, but. Um, it was sort of before we really knew each other um, we were both in the same running club and it sort of picked each other up in Strava and that sort of thing and I remember just having a conversation with you and you said something like uh, I'm paraphrasing but it was you know um, um, I love uh, seeing what you've uh, what you're running in Strava you know I find it really inspiring and I was like wow there's uh, somebody inspired by my running that sounds you know Amazing, you know, I can't, I, and, and it sort of inspired me to think that, you know, I, I could inspire anyone else, and, and then, you know, that's gone on in, in, in later years, you know, I've found 
inspiration in your running as well, you know, like things like your 100 mile story and how you dealt with that. And I think all these different stories are inspiring. And I think um, it's not easy to just sort of put in a box and, uh, you know, that type of person is inspiring. I think we can, all can be inspiring in many ways. And uh, yeah, that's what I want to say. I don't know, Dave, what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think I vaguely remember that conversation. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess you know, for, for, you know, as a new runner as well, you know, everybody was always, I guess, faster than me, ran longer distances than me, and you know, made it look really easy. So, um, I guess as you progress through your through your journey, you find inspiration in different places. Um, so, you know, obviously, running a, a ten minute odd five k is absolutely Rapid. I have no aspirations to ever do anything like that. <laughs> but, um, but you know, that's just because my journey in running has kind of taken that different path from uh, yeah. these these fast uh, these fast races to these uh, kind of longer longer events. So, yeah, I mean, obviously talking with Debbie tonight is, is was was uh, was great because she's somebody who's kind of followed around that kind of scene and you know seen her obviously complete fine in other races and. Um, all those kind of people, and um, you know, those people like local local people like Alan Cormack, for example, who has he also completed the spine this year, and um, you know, has done some really insane races uh, like the Long Mass Ultra, and this is the whole way down Wheels, for example, and he's done uh, two hundred miles or a hundred miles through a tunnel, you know, up and down a tunnel, which is pretty nuts as well. So, um, and I think he, I think it was one Friday night he just decided to run from Aberdeen to to Kirkcaldy or somewhere like that, which is um, which is pretty pretty mad. So yeah, I think it's I think no matter who you are, whether you're just starting to run um, or you're a seasoned seasoned pro, you've got the opportunity to inspire people. Um, and you know, I like to try and encourage as many people as possible to you know either join me for a run or you know you know, chat to people during our explore run uh, kind of runs that we do, or mm-hmm. um, you know, chat to people while you know I was doing the Fetter Wrestle marathon on uh, on Sunday, and I spent the first seven miles just chatting to people I caught up with, you know, who who were kind of on the same journey. So yeah, you know, even Jenny, Jenny who usually presents the podcast, you know, she does some amazing things as well. So it's really it's not difficult, I suppose, to find inspirational people, um, and. Um, you know, but bear in mind that you 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 are also probably yourself an inspiration to somebody, uh, yeah, whether you yeah. know it or not. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Cool. I think we'll yeah move on. I think yeah we we picked the right guest when uh, <laughs> when the theme of the episode was inspiration because that's I was listening to Debbie all through that just thinking well you know everything she said almost was just like inspirational to me and I'm sure to you as well as an ultra runner. But I. It's no secret that I have aspirations, you know, to be, to do ultra running at, at some point. I'm not, I'm, I don't have the, uh, probably don't quite have the time to give it the justice I'd like to give it right now. Um, but, you know, and I've also got unfinished business with this sort of shorter road racing. You know, I want to, I want to improve my PBs and stuff maybe before I'm hitting that sort of 40 mark or whatever, and, and then maybe I'll, I'll go a bit longer after that. But yeah, all of those things is bucket list races she mentions doing and you know and how absolutely bonkers that spine race sounds totally I'm going to do that one day you know <laughs> absolutely I'm all over that and I think 
people like Debbie telling her story is, is massively inspirational. So, um, yeah, let's let's crack on. So the next um, thing we're going to talk about is the Ask the Coach section. Um, so this is <laughs> this is a bit of a funny one actually. So the question this episode, uh, thanks to you and Goodlad, my mate, who asked this of me a few weeks ago actually. Um, as a new runner, he was asking, you know, what is acceptable for male runners to wear in the winter? Now, um, I totally get where he's coming from from this. And to, to experienced runners, you maybe forget what it's like uh, to be a new runner and. Um, Maybe some people never experienced this, but I remember thinking, yeah, it's probably a vanity thing as much as anything, but wondering what on earth can I wear when it's absolutely bloody Baltic out there? You know, shorts and t-shirt isn't going to cut it, but, um, you know, what, what on earth do you wear? And, and I guess it's, uh, he was asking me all these questions about, you know, well, and I was like, well, just get a pair of running leggings, you know, and he's like, do you wear shorts on top of them, or you know, all this sort of stuff? And I was like, well, no, you don't need to wear shorts on top of them, but you know, lots of people do, and uh, all this sort of thing. So, the the I saw him the that week actually, and he, and he just he looked like a runner. You know, he had uh, a pair of running leggings, a yellow jacket, and running shoes. And, you know, he just looked like a runner, but he probably felt self-conscious because he never wore sort of tight running leggings before and that sort of thing. But um, it is. I don't know what it's like for women, no idea how they feel about it, but um, for blokes getting into running for the first time, you know, absolutely just look at running gear online or whatever, and you, you'll soon find out that it's totally acceptable to wear uh, leggings when you're running and uh, you know all sorts of things like you get running underwear, running socks, uh, technical t-shirts, uh, that sort of thing. So for me, what I wear generally in the winter when it's bloody freezing, you also got to think about when it, it can be wet, the snowing, hailstones, all that sort of stuff, you know, going out in all weathers, you need to be prepared for it. So generally I'll have um, either a buff to keep my ears uh, protected from the wind or a hat if it's cold enough. And the buff can also double up as protection for your face when it starts pinging hailstones off your nose. Um, a few layers on the top half, so depending on just how cold it is or whether it's pissing with rain or whatever, you know, I normally have a tech t-shirt, a tech long sleeve top, and then normally just a windbreaker type jack on the top, and then occasionally I'll have like a gilet thing, which is pretty cozy um, for when it's really cold, and most of these things you can sort of take a layer off, you can sort of roll it up. Some of them have pockets you can roll them up into and just sort of put them on your hand or whatever if it gets too warm once you're out running. Uh, gloves are quite essential as well. I mean, my hands get absolutely bloody freezing when it's really cold out there, especially if you're just doing an easy run. <clears throat> like I was out today, it's pretty cold today, but I was doing a bit of a session, so I had, all I had was a t-shirt and a long sleeve top and I had my shorts on and I, I actually couldn't feel my legs. At one point I put my hand down to scratch my thigh and I was like, no sensation whatsoever in my thigh because it was so cold. Um, so leggings are <clears throat> are quite quite good for that. Um, and just you know, a pair of running socks. Debbie mentioned waterproof socks. I've never ever wore waterproof socks before, but uh, depending on what you're doing, that might be a good idea. And then just a normal pair of uh, running shoes. Normally for me, trail shoes. You know, Ewan was asking me as well. You know, are your shoes waterproof? And I was like, no, no, I've just got wet feet. But um, 
you know, that's part and parcel of running, you know, unless you're out for hours and hours and hours, it's okay for your feet to be wet for a while, so yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to that, Dave? Well, I think you pretty much covered it, um, I think, you know, in terms of wearing clothes, whatever you're comfortable in is, mm-hmm. is, is fine, I suppose, and uh, I always have this rule of thumb as well, I, I, I prefer to be on the colder side when running, so even in the winter time, I still would tend to wear um, shorts most of the time, it would be the odd day I would be wearing wearing leggings, uh, but we'd, we'd be wearing a base layer on, on the top half along with a t-shirt and probably a windproof jacket. Um, but I tend to try and dress as if it's 10 degrees warmer than it is because your body temperature warms up pretty quick once you get going. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I prefer to be slightly on the colder side. Uh, and as long as the as long as the shorts are long enough to cover all of the all of the uh, bits you want to be covered, then you're you're probably fine um, on, the, on that front as well. It, the, the the wet feet thing, yeah. I mean, you should be expecting if you if you don't want to get wet feet, but it's probably not for you. Um, <laughs> Good but, point. <laughs> but uh, you know, even uh, you know, the first thing I do if I'm out in a trail run, for example, and if there's puddles, is I, the first thing I'll try and do is actually get my feet wet because. You spend the rest of the trail trying to avoid them, and it just wastes time. So you might as well just jump straight in. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Um, like but uh, one, the one tip for those ultra runners or people on these longer distances: uh, pseudo cream on your feet creates a nice little barrier between you and you and the water. It's as good as anything, and uh, mm. you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one thing I didn't mention actually was um, I don't know what the thing's called, run glide or something. I've got that. It's just lubricant. Um, Vaseline or whatever probably does the same job. I, I've got this sort of stick thing. You can just you can rub on any part of your body to to stop the chafing, and uh, that is essential for me. I don't, not everybody seems to need it, and some people need it a lot more than others. There's a guy in our running club. I'm sure you'll know who I'm talking about, Dave. And I say every time he finishes a race, he's got massive red circles around his nipples where he's been bleeding, and he says no matter what he does. Um, it's always the same. But, um, I've finished a couple of races like that, and when I forgot to put the lube on, or it's rained unexpectedly. If I've got a, if it's raining, and my top's a bit heavy. Yeah, I get pretty bad chafing around the nipples, and uh, the, the run glide thing's pretty good. It's it stops all of that. And for sort of longer races, well, longer races for me is like a marathon or like I suppose the ultra I did last year, uh, and getting that lube on to various bits where you know. Uh, the sort of pressure points are going to be for chafing, so where your shorts meet your thighs and uh, where your inside of your, your arm rubs against the, the top of your vest and that sort of thing, you, you find out the hard way where all these bits are through experience um, and whenever you know that's going to be, just rub a bit of that um, uh, lube on, whatever kind of lube it is, and that tends to help. So I had this uh, horrible experience um Nothing to do with winter running, actually, but um, Edinburgh half marathon 2010 or something. You know, I had no idea about running back then. I'd done it for charity, and uh, I had a pair of probably football shorts with a pair of cotton boxer shorts underneath. And uh, when I finished, I'd actually chafed the buggery out of the inside of my thighs on my boxer shorts to the point they were actually bleeding. You know, the physical wound, <laughs> not just a slight chafe, it was a proper wound and that was pretty sore afterwards in the shower I can tell you, so a bit of lube's pretty good and, and we're in the right kit obviously so yeah, I think we've covered that one as much as we can um, next episode we've got a, 
a really interesting one actually, which is going to be quite a tricky one to answer. So George Noble, who is also in a running club, he is uh, asked about striking the balance between encouraging but not being too pushy with uh, kids who are into running. So um, we'll, we'll get into that in the next episode. Um, <clears throat> so on the running stories, so uh, yeah, last section for this episode, and uh, we tried to go around the world with a different running story of somewhere where we have at least one listener. So this episode um, is from a story from Nigeria. So um, yeah, we have at least one listener from Nigeria. So if you are from Nigeria, I hope I say this right, Kedu, I think that's a hello, I hope so anyway, but, uh, drop us a message if you're from Nigeria and say hello. Um, this is just a cool wee story. I don't know much about Nigerian distance running, to be honest. It's not really uh, something you hear much about, um, to be honest. So I found this one online, and since we're just past Valentine's Day, I thought I'd, I'd share it. It's a bit of a romantic one. So um, the running couple, Emmanuel Giang and his wife, Deborah Pam, they were the first uh, Nigerians to complete the... Um, Access Bank Lagos City Marathon a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Emmanuel Giang was 2.25 and his wife Deborah Pam is 2.45. And yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes to the story. They've been training partners for over a decade, uh, but got married last year. And this year's um, Lagos Marathon, they were the Nigerian champions. So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't think there's much else to say about that one, to be honest. Just like a brief one. There aren't many Nigerian distance running stories, as I said, so um, that one was <coughs> was pretty cool. Um, so I think that's about it, Dave. Let's um, wrap up the episode. We've probably recorded a bit longer than we anticipated. Um, next couple of weeks for me, I've, like I said, I've got the Nairn 10K on the 1st of March, which is, I think, a week on Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, it must be a week on Sunday, um, which is closer than I thought it was. <laughs> Hopefully that's a good one for me. Um, so just be a couple more training, tough training sessions to go and uh, just sort of a short taper for that one. Um, your next race, you said, Dave's D33. So what's the next couple of weeks entail for you then for prep for that? Yeah, just making sure that we recovered from, from the, the race effort this weekend. So it would be pretty... Or last weekend, sorry. Uh, so it'll be a pretty easy week this week, and then uh, you know, back on probably two good solid weeks of of decent mileage, and then back into kind of a mini mini taper for for the actual D33. So it's a pretty quick turnaround, you know, four weeks, um, you know, to be to messing around with any kind of big uh, you know, big sessions. So it'll be yeah, a few long runs in there, probably a few a few sessions with uh, sprints and reps, and uh, mm-hmm. probably some hills and. Uh, yeah, it's all the it's all really in preparation for the races later in the year, but yeah, that'll be it. Yeah, so um do you have do you go into the sort of D thirty three with any target in mind or is it just a little bit like Federesso in that it's a training run and a build up for your bigger runs later in the year? Yeah, well you go with you go with some for me it's more the targets are more about, you know, uh the practicing of, you know, eating, drinking, uh, you know, uh, moving through the checkpoints as quickly as possible, and uh, running as comfortably as possible for as long as possible. So that's uh, that's really the main aims. You know, if I can finish around five hours, that would be that would be really good. Um, so yeah, it would be it would be just a 
an easy uh, RPE effort um, with, uh, you know, if, if I'm feeling up for it a wee bit faster near the end, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens. What did you say there? RP effort? <laughs> RPE, yeah, so just perceived effort. Oh, yeah. So just perceived nice, effort. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just a nice, <clears throat> nice easy effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool, right. I think that's just about covered everything. So um, if you enjoyed the episode, go back and listen to previous ones. If you haven't already, give us a rating and go and like us on Facebook. Um, yeah, we've got this uh, group trail runs back on the go. The next one is actually on Saturday. Um and we've got this we've got a first for Explore Running. We we actually had uh, pre sign ups and this one's sold out so I'm so excited that um we've we've got something that's sold out. That's cool. So um look out for the, the pictures and all the rest that come out of that and then keep an eye on the Facebook page for what's coming up in March. I haven't quite put my finger on what we're gonna do in March, but it's probably gonna be the twenty first of March anyway, so pencil that into your diaries. And we'll get the route and all the rest of it sorted pretty soon. Um, off to do my beginners group instruction tomorrow morning. That's Thursday morning. I'll be after this goes out, but Thursday mornings at 9.15. So if you live locally and you want to get into running and you've stumbled on this podcast, give us a shout and we'll get you involved in that. I tell various people with training plans, as I've said before. And yeah, we're still sort of discussing possible races um, that we might put on this year or um, next year, depending on how things go. So keep an eye out for that. So that's us for this episode. Thank you very much for stepping in again, Dave. Much appreciated. Welcome, anytime. <laughs> cool. Right. We'll go, uh, go and get some uh, valuable sleep, seeing as hopefully our kids are still sleeping, and take advantage of that. Thanks, Dave. Catch you later. Yep. Yeah.